0: This is the Positive Psychology Podcast, episode 28. Welcome to the Positive Psychology Podcast, bringing your earbuds the science of the good life. And now your host, Kristen Trumpy. Today we're going to talk about spirituality, and this is going to be a two-part um, episode so today it's really about the science and what positive psychology knows about spirituality how it defines it and all of that and it's largely based on the work of uh, Kenneth Pargament and next week we're gonna talk about the personal journey of spirituality so today the sciency part next week the personal part all right so Psychologists have mostly ignored spirituality in the last, you know, 50 years. They treated it as a condition to be solved um, if they looked at it at all, or they viewed it as a process that can be reduced to psychological, biological, and social functions. However, throughout human history, it's been an important part of human life, and that is whether we like this or not, and whether we choose to accept this or not, Um, every known society has had some kind of religion and or spiritual um, tradition. So for that reason, positive psychology is now interested in how spirituality and human functioning are related. And although spirituality is too complex to be coined by a simple definition, we still have to try or otherwise it's very hard to agree what we're even talking about. So, separate definitions for religion and spirituality have been attempted to be made. So, some have noted that we have the tendency to make religion the bad guy and describe all the positive aspects as spirituality instead. However, both religion and spirituality, or a mix of the two, have the potential to lead us down constructive or very destructive paths. So, Religion is defined here in the scientific text as a domain that serves a variety of purposes, both secular and sacred. I don't think that's a very, I don't know, helpful definition, or at least maybe it's helpful to psychologists, but like as a person, I don't know. I would just say religion, when I talk about religion in this program... It's maybe something like Christianity or Judaism, um, an organized religion, all right? Whereas spirituality has been defined as the search for the sacred. Now, what is the sacred? The sacred includes the realm of God, the divine, the transcendent. And these things are all perceived as real, although they cannot be measured or tested by science. And a spiritual person is defined as someone who tries to find know experience and relate to what they perceive as sacred they don't just do this for biological psychological or social reasons which means they don't just do it because it feels good or because society makes them or because they, ha- they get psychological benefits out of it they do it because they're interested in a relationship with the sacred now what is this the sacred and what can be sanctified all kinds of things can be sanctified, which means to be made sacred. So we can take a specific time. so um, maybe you've heard of the Jewish Sabbath, which starts at sundown on Friday night and ends on um, sundown Saturday night. So that time was just taken and made a sang- um, sorry, a sacred time, right? And the same can be made for space. So there are certain places like, for example, churches, which are um, which are sacred. And it doesn't just have to be churches. It can also be, for example, Mecca is sacred to, um, to Muslim um, believers. Uh, Jerusalem is sacred to Jews and all of that. So there are also events that can be um, made sacred, um, like certain holidays and that kind of thing materials so for example in the Christian tradition wine plays a very important role because it's it's said to be to symbolize the blood of Jesus um, we have cultural products so that's books art can be made sacred people the Catholic Church does that with their saints and others do that as well but the Catholic Church is this the first I can think of then th- we can also make, Psychological concepts, such as meaning, we can, we can elevate meaning to be something that is sacred. We can take social attributes, um, that's how we relate to other people and how we treat other people. So that could be, for example, compassion. The Dalai Lama says his religion is compassion. So that is something that is sacred to him and last but not least there are roles which are which can be made sacred so some that can be for example the role of a mother or the role of a father is not just that they have to you know shelter and feed the baby but it's actually it goes deeper it's a more holy role right so that's the things that can be sanctified and how is this relevant to you well If you belong to an organized religion, lots of these things are already clear. You already know based on your sacred texts and going to religious services and all of that. You know what is sacred. And your job is basically to figure out to what extent you want to honor these holy days, places, materials, and all of that. However, if you're discovering your own spirituality, these things can be a helpful guideline to you. Now, next week we will discuss this in a little bit more detail. Now, what has science identified as reasons for looking for the sacred, for searching for the sacred? There are, as always, tons of different theories. Um, Some people think, well, it's because of the genes. It's just we're genetically programmed to search for something that we cannot see to try to explain the unexplainable. Others think, well, it's just a result of a child's tendency to fantasize, and you know how the human mind lends itself very well to making symbols and making things up. So that's how some people, some scientists, think that's why we need religion. Others see it as a coping mechanism, um, something that helps us after difficult life events. Others look at it more from a cultural perspective, which means that basically if you're born into a specific place, um, into specific time, you will grow up as whatever you know religion dominates there, as a as a Muslim, as a Jew, as a Christian, as a as a Baha'i, whatever it is. So that's a, it's a result of um, context. Others would argue that it's just a basic part of the human character, and last but not least, that spirituality in itself is its reason all right so it's not just because of all the benefits and because others make us it's because we need or we desire a relationship with that which we cannot explain and the question is what do you think about these reasons what do you think why people engage in their search for the sacred now spirituality is a process scientists define it as a process and they look at it um from they the work by pargament basically looks at it as a three-stage progress which is it comes from discovery so you discover what your religion or your spirituality is you conserve it so there's conservation so you basically try to keep it in your life and integrate it into your life and all of that and then there's transformation, which is usually the result of some kind of spiritual struggle. And this is not a process that we go through once and then it's over. Basically, spirituality is a process that we just keep going through if we are spiritual people over and over again. Now, what does that mean? How how does someone who's spiritual, who's seeking a relationship with the sacred, how do they do that? Well... There are different pathways to practicing religion and spirituality. Um, The most known are obviously following organized religion, which means if you're a Christian, you read and follow the Bible, you go to church, you um, get baptized, you do all these things that are expected of a good Christian. Um, There are other pathways to spirituality as well, though, and that means that we can just read sacred texts and reflect on them we can perform rituals and what's important is this is actually also done in secular society so even in societies which have which have basically said that they don't want the church and state to be the same like in um, democracies in europe um, we still have perform rituals and actually they these rituals are done not because of any practical need for example when somebody dies there is no functional or practical need to to do all the things we do at a funeral, yet we do them for spiritual reasons, even if we're atheists, interestingly enough. There are lots of other pathways as well. Um, I'll just list a couple of examples. Yoga, it's not just a practice of the body. It's really also about embracing a whole philosophy. Music and creating art can be a pathway to the sacred, to connect and to... It's basically a two-form way, right? So you you kind of relate to spirituality, and then you get something out of it, and then you express what you got out of it, and that transforms you. Then there's also the practical aspect of giving spiritual support, doing purification rituals, and engaging in spiritual meaning-making. And I'm sure maybe you can think of lots of other ways to practice uh, religion and spirituality. Now, why would anybody do that? I mean, why why do we engage in that? And psychologists have basically identified a couple of benefits. And um, these benefits include that people who identify themselves as spiritual have a greater sense of connectedness with the sacred. They also use more spiritual coping methods they have better health and overall higher well-being now there are also some other interesting research findings on spirituality for one research has found that faith and beliefs remain largely unchanged or are even strengthened after difficult events such as accidents war and death of loved ones and what is important is that all the benefits that we talked about before they can only they only happen if there's a deep internal connection to spirituality it's not the result of being forced to follow um, sp- a spiritual path or a religious path it's not if we're just by by vent- you know by virtue of being there that we get all these benefits these benefits seem to only come to those who have a deep connection with spirituality and spiritual struggles have been correlated with poor mental health and physical health. So it's not just all benefits. Obviously, if we um, go through a spiritual crisis, this can have very real health um, problems. So what happens if an individual is unable to integrate the struggle and events with their spirituality is that they disengage and they walk away from spirituality. And despite the findings that we talked about before, um, where people usually you usually feel st- more strongly about their religion or their spiritual path after difficult things have happened there are some who don't feel that way who can't integrate what happened and that's when they walk away from it people who believe in a you know in a maligned god in a god who is who is harsh and punishes people for doing things wrong it has also been found that people who believe in that kind of god um, can can suffer from self-degradation, suffering in general, bigotry, and even violence. And people who haven't been on a spiritual path for a long time, that's also another interesting finding, they tend to take less from it. So it seems that the longer and more intensely you engage with spirituality, the bigger the chances that it can actually do something for you if you go through um, a difficult time. Now they have looked at the researchers looked at what spirituality can do for us if it works really well, and if it works really well, if it you know in an ideal spirituality so to speak, can offer broad and deep pathways. Now what does that mean? It means that we get like a little bag of tools, and it's not just that we have lots of different tools to deal with what life throws at us, but we have tools which don't just help us achieve a superficial, you know, um, coping. It's not, not just like having a plaster, but actually deep pathways means that the deep healing can take place as a result of the tools we use and an ideal spirituality is responsive to life situations it can deal with all different kinds of things it's not just one answer fits it all and it's nurtured by the social context there is there is a relationship between the social context that the person lives in and the spirituality and it's flexible it's continuous Um, and this kind of ideal spirituality has a goal that is reached through the full expression of human potential and it u- can be used as a powerful guiding vision. Now another thing that's really interesting and that I want to touch upon and that Pargaman also talks about is the relationship between science and spirituality. Now as I mentioned before there are no instruments to measure the sacred. This doesn't mean that nothing is there, it just means that it har- that it's hard to measure and i actually like how my mom explains this she just said very recently that to understand the significance of this we have to we have to think about other scientific breakthroughs right so microwaves for example existed for thousands of years but only in the last century did we understand how to use them did we de- develop the technology to not only Detect microwaves, but to actually use it, and now we use it to, among other things, heat our food. So that's important to keep in mind just because something cannot be currently measured doesn't mean it doesn't exist. What science can do is to learn about how people experience spirituality and how it affects them. And we can learn about constructive paths to spirituality and less constructive paths. And up until now, Spirituality has really been studied from a distance. Um, It's about what people believe, how often they pray, and all of that. But it kind of lacks a deep understanding of what the experience is like. So, one reason why this has not been investigated um, very thoroughly up until now is that maybe um, scientists themselves did not really see the value of these kind of investigations because maybe they are not spiritual in their personal life. Or they are afraid that it could be seen as unscientific um, if they associate themselves with spirituality. And interestingly enough, this has began to change and especially positive psychology has a very interesting relationship with um, spirituality because one of the breakthrough studies in positive neuroscience were basically done with Tibetan monks and the Dalai Lama was involved in that as well. He has a deep interest in science. Um, and they discovered that actually when wo- monks were meditating, they could put themselves into into um, states, into human states, which can be actually measured in the brain, but uh, that are usually not attained by normal humans. So positive psychology is maybe a little bit more open to spirituality than then psychology has been as a whole discipline and scientists as a whole field. So to reach a deeper understanding, um, what Pargament suggests that we do is to investigate deeply spiritual individuals. And spirit- spirituality and its concept of faith, mystery, transformation, all these things are a little bit like a foreign language to science and psychologists and and Pergament suggests that really, without a deeper understanding, it's it's not possible to really get a, of an understanding of these words and these experiences and what they truly mean to people. It's probably not possible to really develop a deeper understanding of what spirituality is. Now, interestingly, positive psychology has actually, as I said, just has these ties with spirituality and this is also reflected in the strengths um, in, in the topic of strengths where things such as hope and love are listed as strengths and other concepts that are important in positive psychology and are receiving more and more research attention is acceptance and serenity among others and all these things they have their roots in religion and spirituality I don't know about you but When I've been discussing religion and spirituality with other people, I've heard the following claim probably hundreds of times. And it's this idea that of course people choose religion because if they choose religion, they don't have to think about themselves. However, as Pargament and others have pointed out, there are constructive and destructive ways to pursue spirituality. And the thing is that psychology has actually uncovered that this whole idea that we're thinking for ourselves is not exactly something we do all that much. So we react to different life events and it is often determined by the society we live in. And often if our brains are not filled with religious ideas, they're just filled with other things, such as what the people around us think, the media and um, the entertainment business. And engaging with spirituality by investigating what is sacred to you means that you decide to take a deep look at your values and how you live by them. It it really means that you you're not no longer willing to just be a victim of the circumstances and the resulting knee-jerk reactions that all of us have, regardless of whether we are religious or not, but take an active interest in constantly shaping uh, what you believe, and how you act as a result of these beliefs. So, as said next, I um, said in the beginning, next week we'll talk about religion and spirituality in a more personal form. So if you're interested in how you can take these concepts that we talked about today and some others and integrate them into your life, into a way of seeking um, the sacred, um, tune in next week. Bye-bye! If you enjoyed this episode, you can help us out by sharing it with your network and leaving a rating and review on iTunes or Stitcher. We would love to hear from you at kristen@strengthphoenix.com. at strengthphoenix.com. For show notes and more, head over to www.strengthsphoenix.com. Thanks for listening to the Positive Psychology Podcast. We're saying goodbye with Happy Yoghurt.